Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast from Switch to Manual. I'm Antonio, and welcome to episode 81 for the middle of September. Actually, it's September 16th. Uh, I'm a little late, uh, and uh, this is actually the show is going to go out on the 17th. But I'm a little late, and I'm better late than never. But uh, I've been under the weather for a few days, uh, not really having a lot of energy to uh, record. And I I'm, did say I was going to record with uh, with Gene, but I just didn't have uh, I just wasn't up to setting up a, a recording session and doing something really intense about. We were going to talk about uh, luck and photography. So that's on the agenda. I'm not going to say exactly when because I don't know when Gene and I will be able to get together to record that one. But uh, it was going to come for this episode. And uh, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to put it together. But, uh, you know, better late than never coming up with a show. I know I promised to do two a month. And uh, despite my feeling, I think I got a cold. Um, but it's it's kind of wiping me out. It goes up and down. Uh, even though I don't sound like I got a cold, I don't feel like it, but I definitely know it in my body. I've been sneezing and and uh, taking long naps. So uh, and I actually took off of work on th- oh, sometime this week. <laughs> but um, I got a, I got a couple of things that I want to talk about. I don't know how long I'll be be able to do the show for tonight. So just hang in with me. But uh, you know, that's my my really cheap mic arm sounds like a bad guitar <laughs> if you hear that that's what it is I, I hit the spring by accident but uh yeah i got i got a few things that popped up in photography um let's see first i want to talk about uh the slide uh, uh digitizer i got from nikon and uh, a book that i'm going to be part of and then uh geez you know and then what was the other thing oh i want to talk about the the new iphone which is you know eh, this is a photography podcast not an apple podcast but I do want to talk about that because I, I, when I stayed home on Wednesday, I watched the the uh, keynote address for them introducing the new iPhone. So uh, I want to talk about that in terms of photography. And I have a couple of thoughts about it. It might be a little rambling, but, you know, hang in with me. So, uh, yeah. And then, oh, okay. So uh, I want to r- um, remind you, if anybody is in the tri-state area, meaning New York, Connecticut, uh, New Jersey, and want to uh, join up for my Greenwood uh, photo walk on October 6th as part of the Kelby Worldwide Photo Walk, uh, you better sign up soon because I think I'm starting to run out of slots, uh, which is really kind of cool because uh, they, they allot 50 slots per walk. And I, I can't imagine having 50 people show up <laughs> at the Greenwood Cemetery. I mean, I, I've I've sold out or sold out. I mean, it's free, right? But um, we filled up the fifty slots many times before. Not everybody shows up, you know. Things come up for people, but um, I this would be like kind of the first time I've had a, a you know a large group in in Greenwood Cemetery. I mean, I've done small groups before. So if you're interested in uh, having a nice little walk through Greenwood, uh, October. It's not quite fall yet. Uh, I think. You know, well, you know, we might get lucky. Maybe if the temperature drops and the leaves start to change, but I don't really think the first week of October we'll see the full colors. But you know, green was beautiful in the fall. But if you want to join me on that photo walk, it's totally free. You need to sign up. You go to the uh, Worldwide Photo Walk website, which I believe is WorldwidePhotoWalk.com. I don't know it off the top of my head. I don't have it in front of me, but it's very easy to find. And you can do a search for. Brooklyn and then Greenwood Cemetery and then you can sign up again it's totally free uh, we're going to start you know early mid-morning and uh, go for a few hours walk through the park and then probably head over to some pizzeria and have a have a bite and hang out um, and the the way it works is that uh, people submit their pictures for that day of shooting you get to submit one picture and me being the leader I get to choose the best picture of the day and uh, if you uh, get that, um, if I pick your picture, then you win some uh, some small prizes from uh, Scott Kelby and Kelby One, uh, probably like uh, one of his books and stuff like that. Again, I haven't checked the prizes, but there's something to win. And then your picture gets pushed up to a national uh, contest, and then there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot of bigger prizes uh, on on that uh, tier of uh, the contest. So. 
it's worth submitting your picture. It's worth joining. You know, if you haven't been to Greenwood before, uh, it's a real trip. It's a beautiful place. There's no way you can pick a bad picture there. <laughs> it's great. So, uh, again, it's October 6th, uh, which is a Saturday. Uh, let me just double check that in my calendar. I mean, it's got to be a Saturday. I know it's a Saturday. Yeah, it's a Saturday. It's the first Saturday in October. And uh, it's going to be a, a fun time. You know, uh, I, I probably give a little bit of a tour. I know some of the things that we're going to stop and see. Uh, so, you know, might get a little bit of history about it. Um, again, I'm not a tour guide, but I've been there enough times. So, anyway, I just wanted to throw that into the beginning to make sure that if anybody wants to join, just please sign up soon. It looks like the slots are beginning to fill up. I've been getting emails seeing people have been signing up. So uh, I know the last time I checked, there was about 35 maybe signups already, which is a lot. And uh, I think there, you know, since I, I saw that there was a few more uh, this past weekend. So, um, yeah, join us. It's always a fun time. I love leading those walks and it's a, it's a great time to get together and, and photograph and just geek out about cameras and pictures and, and whatnot. And hopefully the weather will cooperate. But, you know, short of, uh, you know, a hurricane uh, weather or, you know, blizzards or whatever, uh, we go out. You know, even if it's a mild rain, uh, you know, you hold an umbrella in one hand and your camera in the other and wrap your camera up in a hefty bag or something like that and, and take pictures. But uh, actually, if it's overcast or rainy in the in the in the cemetery, it's actually quite nice to photograph there. So, uh Anyway, sign up uh, and uh, hope to see you there. So uh, a couple of things have gone on uh, during the week of photography, a week and a half, two weeks. But uh, first thing I'll start off with is, um, let's see. Well, I'll give you the sort of the chain of thought. What, what ended up happening is that uh, on uh, September 11th, uh, as part of uh, just my posting of pictures of, uh, in you know, memory of the World Trade Center, I decided to go through some of my slides, my transparencies, and uh, pull a few out and digitize them in, in a way so that I could just share them on Facebook or on Twitter and just show people the view that I had of the World Trade Center. Actually, my old apartment, uh, in, when I was in, in, two, in 2001, I was in Park Slope, Brooklyn, and I had, a very, I had an un unobstructed view of the World Trade Center. And uh, often, and I was facing west, I was facing west. Uh, and so from our apartment, we'd have some great sunsets. Uh, and I would often photograph the World Trade Center from my window. And so I have tons and tons and tons of pictures of that view in sunrise and sunset and just night times and just different lights. And uh, and so I decided to uh, scan, a f scan uh, digitize a few of those slides. And what I used was this really old Nikon bellows uh, attachment that I that someone gave me a while back. And it's, it weighs about 8,000 pounds. <laughs> it's actually a bellows that you attach to the front of your camera, and then you attach a lens to the other side of the bellows. And then there's a slide uh, holder on the far end with a tr um, translucent screen to diffuse the light. And you put a slide in there, and you're able to photograph it. You generally use a macro lens. Uh, and then you can get a, you know, a decent kind of copy. And I haven't really used it that much um, mainly because I kind of forgot that I had it. And I was like, you know, I don't know. And I, in order for me to do slides, I've been taking out my Nikon CoolScan and scanning those slides and if I needed to. And, that you know, generally when you pull out a scanner, like a Nikon CoolScan or anything, or even any scanner, it's a real pain in the butt because you got to get the software running, you got to scan, and it takes a long time to scan, and then you're using more software to do this, and you bring it into Photoshop, and you... 5,000 steps later, then you got your, you know, transparency or negative on your computer, which you can do something with. Now, granted, my, my uh, Nikon CoolScan scans at a very high resolution. Uh, it is old, and um, it's uh, the software for Nikon it doesn't work on it anymore. So I had to use uh, a software called ViewScan, which is not bad software. It's actually pretty, it's really good. It's, I think it's even better than an icon scanner. And it knows the scanner that you're hooking up to, and it uses some of the features that the scanner has. But uh, my Nikon scanner is old, and, and it, I have to use it. It's a FireWire connection, and I think it's a FireWire 400. So it's an old-school FireWire, and I have to use a converter cable, a FireWire 400 to 800 to connect it to my... Anyway, you get the story, right? It takes, it's a lot of stuff and then i got to take the scanner and put it away and whatever because i don't leave it on my desk so a digitizer that you hook up your a digital camera to 
and uh, put a slide in the other, and you just take a picture, and then you have it on the on you know, a digital camera. So I did a few of the shots, and um, there are some issues with it because the the uh, transparent, uh, sorry, the translucent material on the back to diffuse the light has actually got some scratches on it. And when you where the slide is, you can actually see the scratches in the picture. So it's not quite um, it's not quite a perfect duplication. And then there's some other issues with it. And I was looking at it, and I was like, okay, it was enough to get them, you know, digitized to show on Facebook and Twitter and just saying, you know, here are the pictures I shot at the World Trade Center when I had that view. And it was great, but it was just not enough. But that did give me the idea, and I was like, wow. you know. And I, I, I was actually connecting my Fuji X-T2 to this Nikon Bellows using a, an adapter. And I like I love my Fuji, the, the files that come out of the Fuji. And I was like, wow, this is actually, they actually don't look too bad. Uh, other than the scratches and some other uh, anomalies that were showing up, that uh, not the camera body, but something with the digitizer, I was like, these are not bad. And so, in my sort of impulsive way, I ended up. I knew that Nikon recently came out with a uh, a new digitizer, and it was called the uh, ES2. I don't know what ES stands for. I think there's an ES1, but basically. The ES2 is a slide digitizer that you are to connect to the front of the lens. Uh, there's three different lenses that it, it uh, recommends you attach it to, uh, 260 millimeters and something else. And then uh, it's got the slide holder, and uh, or it's got the diffusion material, and then it's got a slide holder and a negative holder. And you put slides and negatives, and then and uh, they recommend you using the new Nikon 8, I think the 850 or 810, um, because it's uh, those cameras have the ability to photograph a negative and reverse it. Uh, and I was like, that would probably be a cool thing to get because, you know, this other thing I've got is old and it's not doing things, and I would love to really just start to to digitize some of my slides because i got a lot of them and be able to show them off. So I uh, impulsively <laughs> decided to buy this thing and I got it, and um, so here's a little quick story about that. First of all, uh, you know, Mac from uh, the uh, Shutter Time from Sid and Mac uh, said, you know, I was talking to him about this thing, and he said, well, you know, it's designed for the 850. I'm like, yeah, and he goes, well, you know, that's a full-frame camera, and I'm like, oh, no, you know, hand against head. I was like, oh, darn it, I just realized that I wasn't paying attention. Uh, it, even though the description for it doesn't say anything that you have to use the Nikon 850, the implied thing is that the Nikon 850 is a full-frame sensor. And my Fuji camera that I was going to photograph, uh, use, you know, digitize with, is not a full-frame sensor. It's an APS-C sensor, which means it's smaller. So that means, I was like, hmm, okay, so they're recommending, and I have the, I have the lens, they're recommending a 60-millimeter macro lens. To, to use for this digitizer. And I was like, okay, so what's the problem here? The problem is that when I go and set this thing up, it's going to be cropping just like anything, just like any picture uh, that you take with an APS-C sensor uh, using uh, you know a full-frame camera lens, it's going to have a crop factor. And I was like, hmm, okay, <laughs> that might be a problem because you know I want to capture the entire slide. I don't want to capture a portion of it. So I had just thought about you know, like maybe canceling the order but the order already went through and it and it shipped and i was like okay well you know and mac reminded me he goes well you know they're not saying anything about it having to be a full frame and i was like okay well maybe there's some sort of you know uh fix for that like a runaround you know and i'll when i get it i'll see and like maybe i can you know connect it with my bellows um this big heavy nikon bellows and figure out something that that might work right and so I got it, and uh, uh, it's actually, first of all, I'll just describe it. This is not a review of it, but I will say, you know, it's it's way overpriced. I mean, it's $139 for a few plastic tubes and, uh, you know, obviously a film holder, two film holders. One's a negative holder and one's a slide holder. And, uh, you know, a couple of plastic, three plastic tubes and the, and the, and the tube that's got the, uh, um, the where you put the slide and where it's got the diffusion material is also plastic. The whole thing is plastic. Now, that's okay, fine, you know, plastic, you know, it's not going out in the field and it doesn't matter, but it really feels cheap, you know, and it, it seems overpriced, $139 for these plastic tubes. 
I don't know. Nikon, it, you know, if it was metal, maybe. I don't know. But it still seems overpriced for what I'm getting. I mean, real, I'm just getting these tubes, which I could probably, if I was a really, you know, hands-on guy, I would have gone to Home Depot and tried to figure something out. So anyway, I, I get this thing, and I can't, so I, I connect, you know, I follow the directions, and I connect the 60 millimeter to it and, you know, put the adapter on it and put it under my uh, Fuji. And, of course, I look at it, and yes, it is. It's cropping the slide because it's, it's, you know, uh, has a crop factor. And I'm like, hmm, okay. And so I'm trying all these different, you know, connections with the tubes and the lens, and I, I can't quite get it to work, right, because just it's always cropping or it's not focusing or, or whatever. So I'm thinking, okay, I might need to return this thing, you know, and I just don't like doing that because it's a pain and you got to whatever, you know, and there's a restocking fee, I'm sure, and something like that. But I was like, well, you know, I can return it. It's not like it's the end of the world, right? And um, so then I start to think, then the brain starts to kick in. Again, I'm, I'm sort of, this is this week, so I'm getting a cold and I'm like quite thinking, you know, you know, quickly, <laughs> But, you know, the brain kicks in a little bit, and I was like, well, you know, it's a 60-millimeter lens. It's giving me the crop factor. So, and what would happen if I used a wider lens? Like, um, you know, something that would, you know, the logic is if, if, if the long lens is cropping, then a wider lens should give me less crop, right? So, okay, I, I you know, think about it for a second, and I've got a 28-millimeter. Now, the 28-millimeter is not designed for macro work, right? Because you really need a macro lens because it's got to focus very closely on in this when, when you set up this tube thing. So, I, I, you know, I put on a 28. I put, I put the, um, the Fuji adapter onto the 28, and then I put the extension tube, you know, the, uh, the, the tube that's got the, um, the diffusion material on it, and I put it on, and it's, you know, it's not quite focusing. But I do see the borders of the slide. So I'm like, mm, okay, I'm making progress, but the mac the lens can't focus that closely, right? It's not a macro lens, which is they they recommend this 60 millimeter macro lens because it can focus one to one, I think. So I'm thinking, all right. So I dig through my you know box of photo junk that I've got, and uh, when someone gave me this um, this Nikon Bellows, they gave me a bunch of extension tubes as well. An extension tube is something that goes between the camera and the lens, and it's just a hollow tube, and it's got the right connectors. And basically, it moves the lens away from the film plane. And what that kind of does is effectively make that lens a macro lens. Now, you can't use it as a wide 28 anymore. Like, I can't, you know, shoot a wide building with this, with this, um, with this extension tube on it. Essentially, it turns it into a macro lens. But you, I, I've got three or four of these tubes, and they're different lengths. And so I said, well, what if I take one of those tubes and put it you know, between the lens and my Fuji adapter, so extend the extend the lens out a little, essentially turning it into a macro lens. And then I still have the 28 millimeter form factor so I can see the frame, so will that work? Anyway, I, I, I sort of Frankenstein these things together and then I put the digitizer on the end and guess what? I get a full frame shot. Now, actually, what's going on is that I can see the full frame, and it's a little bit smaller than the frame that the camera can capture. So it is it is smaller. I, I haven't quite figured out a way to uh, sort of fill the camera frame with the slide, but it's only cropping it's only cropping in a little bit, right? I'm not cropping. It's only giving a little bit of a border. So, so I decided to, like, pop in a few slides, and I basically take the diffuser and point it out the window on a bright day because there's enough sunlight or bright light, ambient light out there that it, it can come into the camera and I can, uh, you know, even if, even if the camera takes a long exposure, it doesn't matter because nothing is moving, right? The slide is in place, right? The lens is not moving. So I can do a two-second exposure and it doesn't matter. Um, and so I started popping in slides and, you know, I'm looking at the back of the camera and I'm like, that's not bad, <laughs> you know? And so I start going through a box of slides and I just start pulling out some random stuff that I've got, uh, most of my slides are not organized because they were all sent back to the stock from the stock agency. So they're all sort of bunched together. So I was just pulling out random things and I just started, you know, digitizing them using the Fuji camera and, uh, and this slide Frankenstein thing I made with the uh, cheap plastic uh, ES2, uh, the Nikon thing. And, you know, lo and behold, 
uh, I'm getting some decent shots. I'm looking in the back of the camera. And so what I'm doing then is I'm taking the shots from the back of the camera and I'm Wi-Fiing them over to my iPhone. Because like I said, I'm doing more processing on my iPhone these days. And so I Wi-Fi the JPEGs over. Now I'm shooting raw and JPEG, right? So I could take the raws and, and, and process them in Lightroom and probably, you know, really work on them. But, you know, again, I like the JPEGs that are coming out of camera. And, again, I'm trying to keep my workflow a little bit more simple. So I decided let me just transfer the JPEGs over because they look pretty good already. And I transfer them over my phone. And I import them into Lightroom Mobile, which is, you know, if you're subscribed to uh, Adobe CC, Lightroom Mobile on an iOS device, and I'm guessing on the other devices uh, that it's on, I'm sure it's on Android, as well, I'm not sure, but uh, it is actually a really good program. It, it's it's a little tight in the interface, um, but the controls on it are really, really good. I generally use uh, Snapseed for processing my street photography, and then I use Lightroom for processing every other kind of photography that I do. Uh, Lightroom Mobile um, at, on on my on my phone, and so like if I'm doing urban landscapes or you know buildings or you know, things that don't necessarily, necessarily include people on the street, like my street photography. I use Lightroom Mobile, and it's not bad. And so I import these digitized slides into Lightroom Mobile, and I crop them, and then I futz with the color and do some, uh, you know, there's some uh, nice retouching uh, features in the new uh, Lightroom Mobile, the, the latest version. Uh, there's healing brushes. And inevitably, when you digitize a slide, there's there's dust that got you know embedded in the film a little bit, or it's just you know it's stuck on the slide and you can't get it off, even if you blow it with some air. But you know I can use these uh, cloning tools or retouching tools in Lightroom Mobile, which is a little wonky to use. Yeah, you got to use your finger, and it's not so accurate. I'm sure I can do a lot better on a computer with a mouse or a tablet. But you know what? Not bad at all. And when I when I uh, actually when I shot them with the 28 millimeter, the 28 millimeter is uh, again it's not a macro lens and it doesn't um, you need to stop down a little bit uh, on the on the aperture so that you can get a little bit more depth of field. And when you're photographing a slide, slides tend to not be entirely flat; they're a little curved, especially when they're in a cardboard mount. And so you know when you when you're duplicating them and using a macro lens, you want to stop down because you want uh, the most amount of that slide in focus. You want the, you know, if it, if the slide is sort of round a little bit in the in the mount itself, it's not totally flat. You know, if you focus on one part of the slide, then the other parts will be out of focus because you're focusing so tight. And so, uh, uh, increasing the f-stop will increase the depth of field, which hopefully will get some of those, uh, you know, like the corners in focus a little bit more. But anyway, you know, the slides I was, I, I was digitizing were not that curved. They weren't so warped in the first place. So that wasn't so bad. So I'm looking at them in Lightroom Mobile. I'm zooming in, and I can see the grain in the film really well, and I can see details in really well. And a lot of the film I shot in the past was uh, Fuji Velvia and the Kodachrome 25 or Kodachrome uh, 64, which is a very, very, very fine-grained film. And so I'm already starting off with some really sharp pictures. And I'm using Nikon glass back then. I'm using really good Nikon glass, so the things are really sharp. So I'm looking at these shots, and I'm like, they're not bad at all. In fact, I'm 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 95% sure that a print from most of these that I that I digitized um, would look fantastic. They would look great, and you know, with a little retouching and a little color controls and whatnot, I sort of brought them back to life. In fact, I was able to do a little tweaking on them to change them a little bit from the slides, so I can like bring up some shadow detail and whatnot. And they were like, they were really good. I was I was blown away by this. So guess what? I'm not returning this thing, even though I think it's way too expensive uh, for for what you're getting. But I think for me the value will be uh, able to go back into my archives, um, and I got a lot of stuff. Believe me, I got a lot of pictures, and breathe some new life into them. So I will uh, post them in the show notes and let me get to uh i have a thing to say about the website in a second uh, i'll just let you know but uh, i'll post those uh, shots or links to those shots maybe i'll put them on Flickr. uh that way you can see the high res versions and I'll, I'll just link them in the uh in the show notes on the podbean page and uh, so you can see them 
But, uh, you know, maybe I'll try to submit some of them to stock agencies again. Uh, that's where they originally came from. <laughs> so uh, if, the, if the quality is good enough, I might just, you know, send them in and see if I get any kind of, you know, if they accept them or they'll say, come back and say they're too noisy or not enough in focus or whatever. But, you know, what harm would it do to just submit and see what happens? Uh, and then maybe I could bring new life into some of my archives because I've, I, from what you'll see the selection, I used to travel a lot. Well, not a lot, but I traveled more than I do now. And um, I did, you know, bring my camera and bring tons of film and I shot lots of places that I visited. And uh, I think the pictures are great. And it was really funny when you look at them, you're going to say, and especially if you know my street photography now, it's gonna, like this is the same photographer. <laughs> Same guy did this, and, and now he's doing this. So it it is really interesting to look at the old pictures and say, oh, my God, yeah, that's the same guy doing that stuff. So uh, I, thought I, w I thought I would share that with you just as an experience. And uh, it's actually quite exciting, and it's also meaning, like, when I got sort of some dead time that I can, um, you know, uh, start digitizing some of my archives, maybe start putting those in order and... and uh, you know, again, the pictures, you know, some of the pictures are dated, you know, there's some skyline pictures and, you know, I mean, the, you know, even I got some shots of the Eiffel Tower at night and, and it's an old lighting scheme that they had. I can't, uh, uh, you know, I can't use it now because the new lighting scheme is a lot different and, and the new lighting scheme is copyrighted. So you can't really sell it, at least not commercially. But uh, I was really happy that uh, I was able to figure this thing out with the lens and, uh, you know, end up deciding that, you know, I don't have to pull out the big scanner to, um, you know, to take my archives and, and bring, bring them to life again. I, I do, you know, keep my scanner. I'm, I'm going to keep using it as long as the computers can still handle it. But, you know, I, convenience at this point is really what I'm going for. And I think, uh, you know, if I can get the slides out faster, if it really takes me like five minutes, ten minutes to like, you know, digitize a, a dozen shots then i'm going to do that more likely than pulling out a scanner and scanning them so anyway i thought i would i would share that with you and certainly uh because i'm editing on my iphone that will lead me to the the next thing i want to talk about so i stayed home this past wednesday and watched, I, I was homesick. I, I took the day off of work. And uh, it's actually been the first time I could uh, stay home and watch uh, Apple Keynote uh, as they are introducing new iPhones. Because usually when they're doing it, I'm at work. And so I can't watch it live. So it was a lot of fun to watch this. And, you know, Apple is, uh, I'm an Apple fanboy, of course. But I'm also, you know, I'm as critical of Apple as anybody. And, uh I'm happy that they're doing such good business, and uh, I sometimes wish that they were um, a little bit more innovative and, and becoming less of the mainstream, and, and that's sort of the curse of what happens to Apple. You know, they're, I want to say they're the Microsoft of the world, but <laughs> they're starting to be starting to look like that in a way. And, and you know, I have as much criticism about this stuff as um, as anybody does, you know. But I still, you know, I enjoy my iPhone, and like I said uh, in the first part, the iPhone has become my main, you know, processing device these days. I mean, I do have Lightroom and Photoshop on my computers, but I rarely sit down and edit imagery on my computers anymore because I just really don't like doing it. I will if I have to, and I shoot raw because, you know, I can, I can always edit them if I have to, but most of the times I'm using JPEG and I'm transferring from my phone, I mean, from my camera to my phone and, and, and you know, whatever. And, and, and it's become the thing that I'm doing. I just like it. The screens are really nice. I think my photographs look fantastic on, on iPhones. And retina displays are, like, really meant to show pictures. I mean, I, I have got, I've got uh, some Dell monitors on my, on my computer, and they're the old, you know, 72 DPI screens. And when I put a picture on those screens, they look like garbage. And the same thing on my uh on my MacBook Pro. I mean, they don't look as garbagey in the MacBook Pro, but they still just don't, you know, they don't pop, right? And when you look at an image on a on a retina display or anything with a, a high amount of uh, pixels per inch, you know, you just see so much detail. It's great. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just the way I think the pictures, at least digital pictures, are meant to be seen. So anyway, so I stayed home and I watched it and I knew it was going to be, you know, an Apple Watch and an iPhone thing. 
and I'm right now in the the um, season for a new iPhone. I have the upgrade path that I can do, and I figured I was going to go for this one. I usually skip them, and I've skipped the last, I think I skipped the last two, maybe? I don't know, maybe. But uh, the, the last one was the 8 Plus, and it was the X, and uh, I didn't want either of those. I didn't see much of a reason to get the 8 Plus because it seemed very much the same as my 7 Plus, and... Uh, uh, one of the things I'm going for in in the cameras are with the phones are the, the high storage capacity. So I have right now the seven plus with uh, two hundred and fifty six gigs of space, and believe me, I fill that up. And with what? Well, mostly pictures, right? Because I'm transferring the JPEGs from my Fuji cameras to my phone, and I'm working on them, and I'm not always deleting them, right? I'm not deleting the ones I don't need. Uh, and so, you know, I still have a lot of and then I take a lot of pictures, excuse me, with the iPhone, excuse me, itself. And, you know, I, I like having those pictures available. So I like having a lot of space. Uh, it does make it a pain in the butt to try to find a shot, especially when I've got 7,000 slides in my camera, uh, 7,000 images in my camera roll. I don't like looking and scrolling forever, you know. And, you know, maybe someday they're going to come out with some sort of machine learning on the phone so that, you know, they can sort of group pictures by color or by subject or something. Um, or, you know, even have a better way to organize them on the phone itself. Uh, right now, there's, you know, we can't really, can't really tag the pictures, I don't think. There's no way to tag them with tags uh, or, or any kind of group kind of tagging, you know, because if I took a whole bunch of shots of, say, the cemetery, uh, say Greenwood Cemetery, I'd love to be able to like tag those with the cemetery, right? You know, with a cemetery tag and then be able to find them later by, with a click of the button. I might be able to do that fast, but they need to come up with some sort of native system that's better than what it is because, you know, some of us, if they're especially they're uh, increasing the amount of memory storage on the phone, people are going to be dumping pictures and pictures and pictures on them. And, and how are we going to find them? You know, we're going to sit there and flip through the pictures and it's hard to find a shot. Anyway, I am notorious for not taking pictures off. And I will only do that as a, like when the memory starts filling up and I'll start taking old pictures off. And uh, I mostly store all my pictures. Uh, my workflow on my phone is I use Dropbox to automatically upload my pictures to Dropbox. And then when I turn on my desktop computer, it automatically downloads those. So I've got sort of an automatic system. And so I'm never really worried about losing pictures on my phone at all because they're sort of, they're backed up in the cloud and they're backed up under my computer. And uh, so if I do delete a bunch of them, I, I, I can always fire up the Dropbox application and find them again. You know, it's just like another camera roll. So it's not that much of a problem. Anyway, that being said, I, uh, I have the 7 Plus and I have the 256 gig one. And when the 8 Pluses came out, they didn't have any really big memory upgrades. So I saw no reason to upgrade. But when this one was coming out and I was listening to the rumors, I was like, okay, well, this one is a no-brainer. I have the automatic upgrade. I can get it. Uh, it's going to probably cost me a few bucks more a month. But, you know, whatever. Uh, and so I watched the, the keynote. And I've got a couple of things to say about iPhone uh, photography in a second, you know, in general, I just sort of telling you what my, uh, you know, what was going on. So I saw it and, and, you know, uh, Phil Schiller, I'm saying his name right. I think he's the one who described the camera on the phone. And, um, so there's a couple of things about the, 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 first of all, the phone, the phone's got a couple of aspects that I'm interested in. First is the increased amount of storage space. So I am going to be transferring pictures from my Fuji onto my phone. I like to have a lot of space. So that that was that was number one. But then when I was listening to uh, Phil Schiller talk about the new upgraded photography stuff, you know, the cameras and the, the sort of the software behind it, that intrigued me a lot, just like anything. And it does sound a little bit of an upgrade from the 7 Plus that I've got, right? Because every, you know, the, everything gets better over time. And so this this is two years now. I think this... Uh, I think the 7 Plus is two years. Is it more? Maybe not. Or maybe it is. I can't remember. But, you know, my camera, is, my camera phone is getting old. And, and you know what? I can see the limitations of it when I use it. I mean, it is a really good camera. But, you know, the iPhones now, the big, uh, the big ones have um, two lenses on them, right? And 
one lens, uh, at least in the old, well, actually, all the ones that got two lenses, are the, just the what's going on is that one is a normal lens or a wide angle, I should say, and the other one is a slightly telephoto, usually a two times of two times the uh, the or half the uh, field of view of the uh, wide one, right? And they use those two lenses in a lot of different ways. But if you need to, you know, if you're just taking a regular iPhone shot, it ends up defaulting to the wide angle. But if you want to take a telephoto shot, it will. It's a, there's a tricky thing here, but in 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 bright light, it will actually use this um, secondary lens, and uh, you know uh, it will zoom in, you know, two times from the other uh, other lens. But uh, one of the things I learned. Oh, so I don't know if this is the case with the new phones, and I'm not sure if this is the case with the eight plus. But there was a trick. What was going on with the seven plus is that. You would take a wide shot, right? And then you say, okay, I want to zoom in. So you do a two-time zoom, and you think that it's using the second lens. And that only, that really depended on the amount of light that there was. Why? Because the second lens that they put into the iPhone 7 Plus had a um, sort of a... a, a the, the wide lens had a, a wide aperture opening. And I can't remember what it is. But the telephoto lens, quote-unquote telephoto lens... Uh, had um, a little bit less of uh, an aperture. So it was slightly closed up, which means it would accept less light in it. And so this, the computer on the phone, or the light meter, I should say, it was smart enough to know that if there was enough light, it would actually use the telephoto lens, the actual physical lens. But if you were in some dark environment, it wouldn't actually use the telephoto lens. What it would do is it would actually crop into the wide lens and it was a fake telephoto. So it was doing kind of like a digital zoom. and But it did it seamlessly, so you couldn't tell the difference. But the way you could tell the difference is that that second lens uh, or the second sensor uh, behind that lens uh, on the 7 Plus, when you took a shot, let's say, of the sky, so there's enough light and you knew you were using the telephoto lens, when you took that you and you would process it, you could actually see a bit of noise in the shot. And I was always wondering about, like, well, why is why would there be any different? I was like, oh, the sensors are different, and oh, it's, you know, it's amplifying a little bit, and this it's it's not as sensitive to light, or something's going on, but the sensor is actually generating a little bit more noise. So, uh, when you're in a dark environment, because it's already dark, it, the the phone doesn't want to lose any more light, and so instead, if you do a two time zoom, you're actually using a digital zoom and not a telephoto zoom. And another way I found this out was that when you use um, an app like Lightroom, Lightroom's got a built-in, Lightroom Mobile's got a camera that you can use uh, in the application. And you've got a lot of controls in that. And it's got the ability to uh, use the telephoto lens on the uh, iPhone. And what it does is it actually does use the telephoto lens. So when you hit the little T or W, W for wide or T for D, it actually switches between the lenses. It doesn't do the little trick that the Apple phone app is the Apple camera app is doing by doing this sort of fake uh, digital zoom in low light. What it's doing is it will Lightroom will actually fire up that that little telephoto lens. And so when I was taking pictures indoors using that telephoto lens, um, it's so weird to call it telephoto because it really isn't. But I'm just saying it to distinguish it from the actual uh, other iPhone camera, uh, the other lens. When Lightroom would use the telephoto and I would take a picture with it and I would, I would process it and it was noisy as hell. And I was like, what the heck is that? And then it's like, oh, the bells, you know, started to go off. It is, you know, you're overriding uh, the camera's desire to want to use the wide lens and do a digital um, zoom in on it. So you're actually using like basically a crappier sensor uh, in low light and with a, a smaller f-stop, right? So it's letting less light in anyway. And you're seeing all the noise in the shot. So I was like, there really isn't any benefit. So I didn't know if the 8 Plus, when they came out with the 8 Plus, if they fixed that or changed that or whatnot. And then the, the new ones came out. And one of the things they were talking about on the camera side of the uh, iPhone XS, right, is that they're both 12 megapixel sensors. Now, I don't know. I think the telephoto still has a different f-stop. I don't know if the pictures, because we haven't seen any shots yet from it, I don't know if pictures taken with that telephoto on the new XS is uh, will, will be as noisy as the ones on my 7 Plus. I don't know. 
Um, be interesting to see. I'm going to guess that there's been some improvement on that, uh, you know, in that department. And, uh, but the, you know, the proof's in the pudding. We'll see it when we actually see the pictures. But that, you know, that intrigued me enough. And then, Phil, there we go. Right, we're on the we're on the raceway here. <laughs> it's Ocean Parkway Raceway. So uh, Phil Schiller is talking about all the different features, like the new front cameras doing all this stuff, and you know the new cameras have these you know portrait abilities and they have these sort of uh, uh, simulated uh, studio lighting things, and now they have uh, you know um, simulated depth of field, and because the cameras. Uh, on the camera are able to read depth, you know, through whatever math and physics and uh, I'm not going to go into the details here. And, um, you know, uh, they, they explain it on the keynote very well and I'm sure on their website what's going on. But there's a lot of math going on. And so now what you can do with the iPhone 10s with their cameras, even their other one that only has one camera, you can do this, is you can... Um, after you take a picture, you can adjust the depth of field of it. Now, they were showing pictures of people, which is most likely where you would be using it, right? Where you have a subject in the foreground, like a single subject, and, and then there's background, and you can uh, adjust the the, uh, the simulated depth of field so that uh, the um, background gets softer, right? They're calling it that B word, which I won't mention. Um, I like to call it the out-of-focus part. Uh, so... <laughs> you can adjust that after the shot. And so I'm looking at this and I'm like, that's really kind of cool. And I remember I actually poo-pooed it when I saw it on, the, I think the 7 Plus was the first version to be able to do that. It's got this portrait mode uh, built into it so that when you take a picture of a person, you actually, it's using, you know, again, some uh, depth um, readings and the two lenses and it's able to sort of know where the foreground is where the background is, and it can actually throw the background out of focus. And that's an unadjustable thing, right? It's a you end up with a picture with a background that is is kind of blurry. But it's a, a, a it's a simulated blurriness. Number one, it's software, and two, it's not very good uh, depending on the um, on the subject. So if you take a per picture of a person with a lot of hair, or a picture that has um, how do I say this, uh, like it you know, gaps in it so that you can see the background through, uh, hmm, let me describe this. So if you're taking a picture of someone with their, uh, you know, arms akimbo a little bit to their, like on their waist or something like that, and one of the arms can show, you know, so you can see the background through the arms, but if another one, you only see a little bit of the background, the, the camera is not sophisticated enough to know that that space is, will show the background. So what it will look like is around the, the, the perimeter of the person, you'll see the blurriness, but where the background is seen through their arms, let's say, uh, it will actually be sharp, right? So it looks kind of weird. And, you know, I'll give them credit. I'll give Apple credit uh, for figuring this kind of stuff out. And, you know, in the right circumstances, when you take this, uh, you take a portrait mode picture, it actually can look okay. Uh, for me, I know that it's that it's fake. I mean, that's the one thing. It's like kind of knowing the secret sauce, right? So I look at it, and I'm like, it doesn't look like anything optical I've ever seen before. And especially when you start looking at the edges, it doesn't look that great. So I've been known to like look down upon it. But you know what? Guess what? I have the camera and I've used it. Like I was taking a picture of, uh, I don't know, a glass of uh, f like uh, a cocktail that I had on my uh, uh, table on my uh, on my terrace and you know that's a perfect opportunity for this because glass is very def you know it's defined line right you know um, a shape and the background is distinctive and it's far away and that's a perfect opportunity to use this and when i took a shot of it it actually looked pretty good you know and so you know that was a kind of shot that i took and posted on facebook and saying i'm having cocktails on my you know on my terrace and blah 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 and nobody thinks twice about it and it's not a picture that i'm going to write home about and it's going to go on social media in this case, Facebook, and, and it's going to get thrown in my camera roll, and I could really care. It's one of those throwaway pictures I don't care about. But the the the, the simulated um, out-of-focus background that it creates, it makes a slightly more pleasing shot, and it certainly makes the subject, like in this case the drink, stand out more. But, you know, the background doesn't look like anything optical made. It just looks like something that's been blurred. And, you know, for, you know, daily civilian use, that's that's fine, right? And I'm thinking that uh, 
the oh, and so let's fast forward. The new camera uh, has the ability to, uh, especially with subjects like what I was describing, where you have a clearly defined foreground and background, you can afterwards dial in the amount of out of focusness. If you want the whole shot to be sharp, you can change the sort of simulated aperture that they have on it and slide it all the way to like, you know, quote unquote F22. Right. Uh, I don't even know why they put that on there because it's not real, you know. So why don't they just say like more focus, less focus. But they put this, you know, kind of fake aperture thing on that. If that's going to make any sense to people. In fact, I know most people who are learning, you know, uh, how to shoot in manual don't know what an aperture is because most cameras don't have apertures on them anymore. You know, it's all built into the camera body. And so you don't really see the the dial on it anymore. So Apple decided to put the aperture scale on this little sliding thing as if people are really going to know what that means. F20, they slide it towards F22 and the background becomes more sharp. And as they slide it towards the lower numbers like F2 or F1.8, that's when the picture becomes, in the background becomes less focused. So it's this whole, you know, simulated um, out of focusness. And, and I'm sure because the cameras are new and the, the math behind it is new that the, the, um, functionality is a lot better and and the demos i was seeing it actually looked pretty good of course apple's setting it up with like really perfect conditions so it'll be interesting to see how good it looks with you know real world stuff but you know it again it doesn't look bad it does look fake to me but that's because i've been spending my entire life looking at pictures uh with uh, out of focus parts that were shot with real lenses and so that are optical right but i would say it's a really good facsimile of it and and, you know, as a as a photographer, that intrigues me. And it got me thinking, and this is sort of the sort of the direction I wanted to go into, although I realize I'm running out of time here, so I'm not going to go into this in too much depth. And maybe I'll just sort of bookmark it as something to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about with other photographers about this. But I want to throw this into the soup a little bit, is that um, we are getting so used to um, these things being simulated, right? And so... I'm going to take a couple of steps back uh, for a second, which kind of triggered this. And this is prior to watching the new iPhone uh, um, introduction keynote was that I had taken a shot of, uh, let's see, I had taken a shot of some, a chair uh, on, uh, on the sidewalk, you know, I'm just, I'm photographing these sort of discarded furniture pieces. I, they may, you know, when I was talking to Mac about projects on, on shutter time, uh, a couple of, a few episodes ago, uh, you know, I was talking about the idea of making projects of discarded furniture. And, you know, now that I've sort of put that in my mind, uh, I've been, anytime I've seen discarded furniture, I've been, you know, walking around and taking some shots and seeing if it's interesting and just keeping that sort of in the back of my mind. So I saw this chair and I took some shots of it. And when I got a chance to take them off of my Fuji camera and put them on my iPhone, I did. And I, I decided to try a different application to process them. And uh, let me just see if I can remember the name of it. I'll just find it here. Uh, okay, so I downloaded this app called Afterlight, right, which is a, a picture processing app on iOS. It's probably available on other platforms as well. But um, they have all sorts of fun little processing. And again, it's like, you know, you open it up and you can change the exposure and the this and the white balance and whatnot. And then they have all the filters like light leaks and dust and this and that. And you can change the uh, picture profile or, or look up table, if you want to call it that, or, you know, color profile of the image. So you can make these film simulations and you can open up the shadows and you can have this, you know, essentially change the whole look of the picture. And so I started to play around with those and I, I found, you know, a film, you know, or not a film simulation, but a simulation of a, a or a color, a color palette that I applied to the picture. And then I dove into the light leaks and, and you can randomize these light leaks and light leaks are basically to simulate as if the film has been exposed to light. If you had film, and you had a leaky camera and that it would ex let some light into the camera and the film would sort of get fogged or, you know, you'd have these sort of orangey, flary things on it. And so I added those to it and uh, I was done and I saved the picture and I looked at it and I just, you know, sort of hit myself in the head about this. And I was like, what am I doing? What is this? What is this doing for me? And I, you know, the, we could start off is that the picture, the initial picture may not have been that great. You know, it was a shot of a chair and I was just messing around with it. And I thought, okay, well, if I process it in a certain way, I might be able to make it 
something that I really like that might work with the project. And then, you know, putting it in Afterlight and playing with the colors and then playing with these light leaks and stuff like that. And it left me very empty. And I was thinking about, what, what is that about? What is what's going on here? And I'm actually so averse to it. And it occurred to me, and of course, this is, you know, we all know this. We've been talking about this for years, everybody, you know, with, with, uh, um, with applications on the computer and these uh, uh, film simulations, you know, and Lightroom where you can actually simulate different film stocks. And, you know, I've talked about this with uh, Read Means when we're talking about color and lookup tables and stuff like that. And, you know, I it, it occurs to me again, and I just want to sort of say it out loud, is like all this stuff is simulated, like we're living in some sort of simulated world. Now, right, there is no more film, right? Film isn't really out there. I mean, it's out there, but it's not the main way people are taking pictures anymore. And, you know, we're still back to looking at these digital pictures that we're making and thinking somehow we can simulate the way film used to look like. And, you know, most people alive now don't even know what film is. And so, you know, they're working with pictures and, and they're working with, uh, you know, changing the colors on them. And they're saying, you know, Kodachrome film look. Nobody saw Kodachrome before. Nobody knows what it looks like. So, but they say, you know, it kind of looks cool. So they apply that look to their picture. And, you know, I'm doing the same thing here and I'm doing this thing with light leaks. And I know if I, when I had cameras, like an old Diana camera, which was a cheap plastic camera that inevitably leaked light and would fog film. And it was always random. And, you know, you process your film, you don't know what you would get. And I'm looking at like Afterlight and whatever other processing program I have. And I know exactly what I'm going to get. That's the, that's the really interesting thing. I know exactly what I'm going to get. And even if that there is a randomness to it, if they've programmed in some randomness, there's a limit to this, right? There's a limit to all of this stuff. And, and even though I like, I know that maybe let's say that it's a randomized, they can come up with random light leaks and everyone is different. I still somehow know in the back of my mind that this is not real. It is, it is software that somebody, someone's idea of it came up with. And, and yet I'm, I'm sometimes happy with just like putting on the blinders and saying, well, that's kind of fun, you know, it looks kind of nice and, and whatever. And, uh, like, you know, the shot of the cocktail that I do and I, and I put the fake out of focusness in it. I'm like, that's fine. You know, it's it, it's just so I can show it on social media and people go, oh, it's a nice picture. What a nice drink. I wish I was there with you. But when I when I clear that fog away, I have to realize that this is all a simulation. N none of this is real. And it. It occurred to me when I was doing this chair, this picture of the chair, I actually stopped editing it. I, I put it on, I just transferred it to my, you know, I, I saved the picture to the camera roll and I'm looking at it and I was like, I'm not going to throw it out because I want to think about this for a while, this shot of the chair. And so fast forward to the iPhone event, right? And they're talking about the phone and this and then that and they get to the camera part and then Phil Schiller comes up and he goes, yeah, no, now it does this, you know out of focus stuff and you can dial it in and blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, and it's got this, you know, fake uh, aperture scale on it. And I'm saying it's totally fake. I mean, it's totally fake and nobody even knows what those numbers mean. Most of the people who are, you know, in there, you know, like, you know, as part of switch to manual, like I said, we were teaching people what an aperture was. I mean, nobody's going to photo school anymore. Right. And so everybody's trying to figure this stuff out themselves. They don't even know what the numbers mean. They don't understand the ratio. Why Why is it F16? What does that mean? What does F4 mean? You know, why is that that a number? And, and so seeing that on that scale and realizing this is a simulation. It's all a simulation. Now, it's doing very sophisticated simulations, right? It's... Um, it's it's doing and it's doing math and it's using lenses and it's understanding depth and it knows what's close to the camera and what's not close to the camera. Very, very sophisticated stuff. And it needs, you know, that they showed the processors on the iPhone and it's like it's this and that. It's incredible. And I'm looking at that. And I'm like, it is fake. It, it's nice fake. Right. And I'm not trying to again, I'm not putting it down. Right. I'm not saying that reality is better. I mean, like This is better than that. I'm sure once I get the phone, I'm going to use that thing for doing certain stuff now. And then, you know, now they have these these portrait modes that have the uh, fake studio lighting. And I know at some point Apple did a little ad to show like or some sort of promo video to show 
how they were coming up with all the lighting things. And so, you know, and they kind of look fake to me. I mean, those, you know, I, I see them and I'm like, I don't know. It just doesn't look good. Maybe in certain circumstances is it will. But, you know, I'm thinking the vast majority of people who take pictures with this thing, they actually might take some decent looking pictures and they're going to send them to their friends and whatnot. And everybody's going to be pleased with it. It's a whole ecosystem of everybody's happy with what the results are. And, and Apple is really, I'm guessing, not out there to please the professionals, right? They're out there to make this thing you know, available to the masses and, and people can pick this camera up and they can say, I can make pictures that look, you know, relatively professional or, or clean. Professional may not have to be the right word, but like sophisticated, you know, that are pleasing to look at, you know, certain lighting conditions, portrait lighting will look much more flattering to certain people. So you're taking a picture of your aunt and you use studio lighting. It might look really nice and she might appreciate that. And the whole point is to make people happy and that's fine. I mean, that's what it's about. It's not, you know, this is a phone with a camera built in with some really good software and, you know, it's not built for photographers. It's, I mean, you know, photographers are going to use it, uh, and we'll find a lot of fun with it. And I'm sure, you know, and a professional using an iPhone uh, is going to make, you know, or someone who's professional, it's the wrong word, but someone who knows how to take pictures really well can use an iPhone or, a, you know, a, a digital camera, whatever camera, and make great shots. I mean, you know, I use my phone and I make some really good pictures a lot as well. So, uh, again, but, you know, that's not Apple's concern. Apple's trying to sell tons of hardware. So they're making all, all these features available for the masses. And, None of them realize or are going to realize that this is all a simulation. It's just, it's simulated photography. It's simulated uh, depth of field. It's simulated lighting conditions. And it just got me thinking about, really just got me thinking about how much further simulations are going to go. Like at what point, right now we're, we're simulating light, we're simulating out of focusness. And what other parts of photography or will, will they, with software and ingenuity, begin to simulate? And, and where the end is on that? Like, you know, at some point, we'll be able to take a picture of a person and then simulate them in other situations. I mean, it's not hard to believe that, right? And we're doing things like that right now with augmented reality and, and, and you know, endless amounts of things. And, and I, I can't even think of this. It's not my job to think of the, you know, the future of this kind of thing with the camera and, uh, you know, uh, software and hardware. It's, that's not me. But um, my idea is thinking, like, where would this end? Because it keeps getting more and more, you know, um, interesting as time goes on, right? So uh, I wouldn't have thought that um, Apple would have come out with a, a simulated depth of field thing, although there are apps that do that. And then there's that camera, the light field camera, that used to be able to, that didn't do so well. Um, but the idea is that you would take a picture and that you could focus it later on, that you could point to where you want it to be in focus. And this is this is not quite the same thing, but there there's even an app on the iPhone that can do that. But you know, there's limitations because it's got to take multiple pictures and blah blah blah. But you know, um, it it did get me thinking about the the simulations, and I was tying that in with the with the filters that I was using on that app with the chair, the picture of the chair, and I was thinking this is simulation. Everything's and so we're we're really just getting used to stuff being simulated. And I just want that this want you to uh, sort of think about that and what that might mean. And if you want to bounce some ideas off of me and on Twitter, that'd be great. I'd love to have that kind of discussion with you or with anybody. Um, but where are we going with um, these things? Now, right now they're they're limited, not limited to phones, but mostly in phones because phones are also just really basically computers, right, with cameras built into them. But at what point will that kind of transition over into? Uh, are regular cameras and what's going to happen at some point you know um will lenses be simulated we'll be able to simulate telephoto lenses with the compression we'll be able to simulate like well at some point will we have a single lens right and you take a picture but with that then you can simulate telephoto shots right i mean you might have a uh, this is i'm just going really off the board here but you have a multiple gigapixel shot right and on a wide field camera right that shoots everything and then you say, but, you know, I really want to telephoto into that, you know, hot air balloon in the park down there in this frame. And the camera can, or the, the, the software and stuff like that can do that, can somehow simulate the, the aspects of a, of a telephoto lens with its compression 
and its shallow depth of field. And, and it would do that, right? And so inevitably you don't go out and shoot, you know, with all these lenses. You go out and shoot with one lens. You capture an entire scene. And then you look at it later and you point at things. You say, oh, I want a wide-angle shot over there. And I want a telephoto there. And I want black and white over there. You know, and what, what does that lead to? I mean, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I'm not trying to pass judgment. But I, I just realized this thing about things being more, you know, simulated and the fact that we're sort of just getting used to that you know we're getting just this idea that things aren't real and again you know it's digital photography so what really is real you know i always thought that digital photography you know because the um light is captured in the sensor and then is the the energy of that is is transferred into a digital file or converted into a digital file that the original light from the scene no longer exists. And that's what I used to like about negatives and, and, and uh, slides is that I knew that, that the light actually touched that film and that film was in that place that I shot. Now, this is me just getting maybe maudlin about stuff a little bit. And I'll, I'll admit to that. You know, there's this, like, do I really care that the picture or the film was in this spot, right, or whatever? But um, I don't know. I just, you know, this idea that things are, are we're getting sort of removed a little bit from... Uh, the reality of uh, creating an image uh, or or maybe not the right phrase. And I might not be able to sort of articulate this perfectly because it's late and I got to go to sleep. <laughs> but, but there's something on, there was just something about it. There was some connection with this picture that I was making and these filters I was throwing on and this new iPhone and the simulated functions that it has. And, uh, you know, at some point, maybe later on, I'll I'll go into a, you know, I'd like to have this discussion with a few other people. And it might not lead to anything, uh, but maybe there's something there. I don't know. But you guys let me know, you know. And I talked for an hour. I didn't think I had anything to say. Uh, but I do. <laughs> so thank you. But, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, so, look, hit, hit me up on Twitter uh, if you want to talk about this a little further. Uh, I would love to, to to find out what you guys think about this. If I'm, am I off the wall here thinking about um, you know, photography becoming a more, uh, more of a simulation and not reality? Well, am I just a part of this as like a cold-induced <laughs> kind of discussion? Or am I onto something? Is, does, does anybody feel anything? And I actually like to hear from people who've, who've transitioned from film to digital, like me. Like, you know, I've had, you know, I grew up in the world of film and, and now I'm in digital. And uh, am I just being nostalgic or about something? Or, or am I onto something? So, Let's let's continue this uh, off, you know, on on the digital realm somewhat, and uh, I'll, I'll uh, hopefully by next um, I will have uh, you know figured out a time I can get together with Gene, and uh, we'll have a better set schedule for our discussion about photography and luck. So anyway, that being said, wow, sorry I talked for an hour, and uh, pretty pretty good i gotta go to bed now but anyway <laughs> thanks for hanging in look uh the switch to manual website is down now the the quick story is that uh, i ended up losing the database i transferred uh my my hosting from one place to another and in the process i lost the database so uh it actually does look like the old switch to manual site is a, a crash and burn so uh, like a phoenix, it will arise again, uh, a little bit new, a little bit different, uh, maybe a little bit more uh, pods, podcast-centric, uh, less of the workshops and stuff like that. But I'm going to start adding stuff as I start to figure out things I want to do with uh, Switch to Manual. I will start building that up again. So right now, uh, the, the, the podcast will be mostly hosted on the Podbean page. That's where I'm going to put my notes on. I just uh, have to get the... Uh, blog section of the switch to manual site up and running again uh there aren't any archives anymore so <laughs> that stuff is uh unfortunately it's history i didn't have a i didn't really have a lot there um but i'll see if i can recreate some of them i have some articles and stuff like that so i might start populating that and i might start putting the back catalog of uh, uh you know the um, podcast on there but right now the whole thing is is hosted at podbean so that's great that's where you'll be finding the show notes and uh, some of the pictures. Um, so uh, go check out, you know, is it, let me just double check the website because I could be, uh, you know, I, uh, let's see, Podbean. Is it Podbean? Uh, Podbean.com slash, yeah, switch to manual. Or is it switch to manual? 
Yeah, it's switch to manual. Podbeat compound. Sorry, I, oh, God, like crazy. Switch to manual. Podbean. Right, that's where the uh, where the uh, podcast is hosted. So go check out the. Well, you have this. Uh, you're downloading on iTunes, or uh, you know, we're also on. Where are we on? We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play, and we're on Spotify now too. So uh, you can find us in all sorts of places. So anyway, uh, give us some time to put the switch to manual.com back together again. Just keep an eye out on uh, Twitter for that. And on Twitter, we're switch the number two manual. So switch to manual. But you can also find me at uh, AM Rosario on Twitter. So hit me up on either way. I'd love to have a discussion with you. It, uh, I'm, uh, Facebook is great to find, uh, to talk to switch to manual uh, and me. Uh, I put all my stuff up there as well. And what else? Um, if you'd like to support the site, you can with the... Uh, you know, like a one-time uh, PayPal uh, tip for uh, chump change to buy me a coffee and help pay for stuff. That would be great. Uh, help me out a little bit. Uh, times are getting tight, actually. But uh, anything you can do to help out, if you like the, if you like the podcast, please uh, think about, you know, throwing a buck or two. That would really appreciate it. Also, if you uh, are watching us or listening to us, excuse me, on iTunes, uh, you could do really good by giving us uh, ratings and uh, reviews there and also please tell your friends about uh, you know the show when I uh, put the show out retweet it you know send out the call that uh, that you like this show that's kind of thing that makes uh, me it's even better than a tip you know I want to get more people listening uh, to the show as much as possible and you know get the word out I really like doing this show it's something that uh, gives me a lot of pleasure in sharing whatever uh, photographic stuff that comes up that I like to share with you guys so anyway uh, tell your friends about us and give us reviews and wow so hey great <laughs> so I will uh, what is this we're in uh, we're in the middle of September yeah so I will see you at the end of September and uh, we'll have a great uh, show for you then so thanks a lot and uh, see you later